Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ignite Radio Live. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio for the Almighty, especially during this Advent season. The light shines brightest in the darkness. So just keep that in mind. As the days are getting darker and darker, up to the pinnacle of winter solstice, Christmas, the light is most bright. And God is inviting us, summoning us after this long year of distance into his very presence. And it was so awesome to see a church, given the social distance, full of people there before Jesus Christ. Uh, and a number of good friends who were evangelicals were extremely moved by this. They'd never experienced this before. So tonight, our special program is going to play for, is going to be to give you a fairly full portrait of what took place last Wednesday. And uh, we do invite you to join us on these Wednesdays, 6.30, St. Joan of Arc. We ask you to sign up just so we can keep on top of it with regard to knowing numbers, but presence P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E-F-O-R Christmas.com. One more final commercial and we'll get on with tonight's program. So awesome to see so many families come alive, especially in the presence of the Lord and all the many ways, even with the COVID restrictions, how we've been blessed to continue this ministry um, to just encourage families to, to proclaim what they are. And we can't do it without your support. So especially as we approach the end of the year and we know stuff is tight, um, it seems like people are looking in ways to stretch and be generous. And we encourage you um, to remember us. So go to massimpact.us and hit the donate button. Whatever you can give, know that it is a worthy cause and it does make a difference. And we are just so blessed and remember in prayer to all those who financially support us and certainly spiritually support us. So thank you for those prayers also. With no further ado, we're going to go to our very first Presents for Christmas 2020. My heart is an open space for you to come and have your way. I'm open. I'm It's yours, it's yours, it's yours. All of the glory. 
New anointing is the word that I got as I've been ministered to by this beautiful family leading worship over here. God wants to give us a fresh anointing. How many of us could use a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit? I like Advent because the word Advent is in the word adventure. How many of us have had an adventure this past year? Yeah. And like every adventure, there are obstacles, aren't there? But God wants to demonstrate tonight in a fresh way, in a fresh anointing. He wants to turn obstacles, help us to see them as opportunities. Can I get an amen? We can say that, amen. Let's agree. Let's agree in the Holy Spirit. He wants to give us a fresh anointing tonight. And if you're like me, I'm going to be really honest. I'm a husband and father of seven amazing kids. God has blessed me with a faith. I just love Jesus. But I have a deeper yearning for his presence. Coming out of the social distance, I have a deep yearning for his presence. I have a deep yearning for an intimacy he made me for. Can any of you guys relate to that? Do you have a deeper yearning for intimacy? So we have fresh anointing. He wants to pour himself out and we have intimacy or presence. How many of you have ever been on, I'm going to make a bit of a shift here and we're going to get right into our awesome speaker. Peter Herbeck is in the house tonight. So blessed to have my brother here. How many have ever been on a blind date before? A few of us, okay. You think about a blind date. Somebody thinks that you and somebody else would make a nice match. And they communicate to you the qualities of that other person. And you may have a little bit of hope, excitement, depending on your experience, maybe fear. But you overcome your fear, right? And you decide to enter into the adventure and you're going to do this. And at some point, the words that were explained to you about that other person take on flesh and blood. They become real. Now imagine that that person who introduced you was somebody who knows you intimately and knows that other person intimately and believes that you are thoroughly made for each other. That's what tonight is about. Whatever brought you here whether it be my annoying emails or texts or whatever, or a friend pulled you, dragged you. Somebody knows your heart and knows that it was made for the God of the universe to inhabit. And so I'm going to invite you tonight to open your hearts to the fresh anointing, to the adventure of a deep intimacy a heart-filled intimacy beyond actions and motions. Those of us who are Catholic get that we can go through our whole life going to Mass and praying our rosary and fulfilling novenas and all of this, and we can feel empty inside. I, I know that experience. I know many of us, whether we're Catholic or not, can experience ritual and religion, all beautiful and wonderful. But if it's without the relationship, we remain all the more empty. So God has summoned us here tonight he summoned us, and he wants us to encounter him personally and intimately. So for those of us who are Catholic, confession is going on in this chapel. I invite you to avail yourself to that wonderful sacrament. Peter is going to uh, 
be the first stop of a three-stop journey of this great adventure into the heart of Christ's Mass, we're going to be led by our Blessed Mother. The first joyful mystery, of course, is the Annunciation. So tonight we're going to go deeper into that personal encounter. Next week, that second joyful mystery, all out of Scripture, right? All out of this invitation to know God more deeply, to follow our lady who inhabited Jesus. Augustine said she conceived him in her heart before she conceived him in her body. The second stop is that visitation. So encountering God in our family, Stephanie Schleter will be speaking that night. And then the third night, two Wednesdays from now, will be that Christmas story, and it'll be about the kingdom. Jesus alive in us. God with us, Emmanuel. So invite us, whatever you came in with tonight, to leave behind lesser things that you would receive greater. Receive the fresh anointing. Look for it. Allow your heart and mind to be ministered to in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask Peter now to, uh, we're just going to extend a hand over my brother here who comes all the way from Christ the King Parish up in Ann Arbor. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, you are the one who speaks. You are the one who wants to minister. You are the one who summoned us here to fill us with a great love, a beloved love. We pray for your Holy Spirit right now to flood our brother Peter. We thank you for his heart and his ministry and the gifts so availed to you, Lord God. Continue to pour them forth in his life. And through him in the next moments on us. We want to receive what you want us to give. We avail our hearts and our minds to you. For your glory we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love this season of the year, Advent. It's my uh, probably my second favorite time of the year. Advent is the time when the church, our mother, helps situate us. You know, we're at the end of the calendar year, December, but we're actually beginning the new church year. And the church in her wisdom, and our mother in her wisdom, always at the beginning of the year situates us between the comings of the Lord. Advent means to come. And the church begins the year by paying attention to the coming of the Lord and the meaning of that coming for your life and for my life. And we often think of Advent as a preparation for Christmas, and it certainly is. But in the great wisdom of the church, right from the beginning of the life of the church, one of the central focuses of Advent was to look both ways. To look not only at the birth of Jesus, but also to look forward to his coming. And the church situates us between the two comings of Christ. Uh, The catechism teaches us because it's echoing the scripture. And it tells us what time it is, what time it is. Catholics should know better than anybody what time it is. We understand that we're living, the catechism says, in the last hour of human history. These are the last days. The last days are defined between the two comings of Jesus. And those two comings define who we are. 
And so when the church brings us, begins the year with that perspective, she always situates us between the two comings of Christ so that we begin the year remembering who we are and what's going on in time. The Catechism, uh, paragraph 672, uh, states, tells us what time it is kind of, it's a very Advent paragraph. It's talking about the coming of the Lord, the return of the Lord, and it said, puts it this way, that we're living at a time of the spirit and of witness. Say with me, the time of the spirit and of witness. We know this time is defined by a special presence and power and working of the Holy Spirit in human hearts and in the world. That's what characterizes this whole period of time. We'll see as we look at the Annunciation how it began that way. So it's a time of the spirit and of witness, and it also says it's a, tr- it's a time of distress. It's a time of distress in the trial against evil. That even though it's a time of the spirit and of witness, it's still a time when we battle against evil. And so we understand that. So we're not, it says, we understand the trials that accompany us in this pilgrim time that we're living in. So we're not surprised by trials. How many of you get the feeling we're living through a kind of particular moment of trial these days? It's kind of wild, isn't it? We have lived an unbelievable year together. And it's still going on. Our politics are shaking. Our economics are shaking. Our, our social class, our churches, all kinds of things are shaking. But we of all people, because we know what time it is, we know what we're living in, we shouldn't be surprised. The Holy Spirit is here speaking to us and helping us and saying, don't be surprised by the trial, the ordeal that you're living through. Remember what Jesus said, in this world you're going to have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. You know, good cheer is part of the whole Christmas thing, isn't it? So turn to next to somebody. You guys are all COVID okay because you're together. You live together and say, uh, be not afraid. Right. Tell him, be of good cheer. Our Lord has overcome the world. All right. Put your hand on your heart. Talk to your heart and say, heart of mine, be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. He's overcome the world. So the catechism tells us it's a time of the spirit and of witness. It's a time of trial and a battle of distress against the distress of evil, the trial against it, and it's a time of watching and waiting. It's not a time mainly of watching TV, though that's a lot of what we do, but it's watching and waiting. It's watching the present action of the Spirit. We know the Spirit's acting in the world. We know we live in a bit in the midst of a spiritual battle, and the Holy Spirit wants us to see to read the signs of the times and to understand what the Spirit is saying to the church so we know how to cooperate with the grace and the moment that God has given us to be on this earth at this time. We're all heading toward a final encounter with the king. We're waiting either he's going to show up before we die or we're all going to die and we're going to meet him so we know where we're going. And he's already won the victory. So our our future is secure. Isn't that great? Turn to somebody and say, your future is secure. Go ahead. Tell them. Tell them you're heading for glory. You're going to be clothed in glory. 
Okay, so that's the church inner wisdom beginning the year with the big picture. So we can say, take a deep breath and just go, ah. I know who I am. I know why I'm here. I know where I'm going. And I know who's in charge of all of it. And it's going to be okay. Okay, now, what I want to do is just take the, the, the next, I have another couple hours, and I want to take the next 15 minutes to just reflect on the Annunciation a little bit, to learn some lessons from the Annunciation. It's such, I love this time of the year too because it's such a precious time to gaze on the grace of God at work in Our Lady. The first disciple, she's the paradigm. And what happened to her is being repeated in us in an analogous way. And I'll show you what that means. What God did in her, he's reproducing in us. Slightly different way, but the same movement of God's spirit. So, the birth of Jesus. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. We know what that means now. We know the teaching of the church, the Immaculate Conception. We know she was, she was uniquely graced by God. But what's being revealed to us here also applies to us. First, salvation is a work of God. Salvation is God's idea. Saving and recreating the human race is God's idea. And it's the work of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit together. For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son. And wherever the Son is, the Spirit precedes the Son. And the Spirit reveals the Son. The Spirit empowers the work and the way of the coming of the Savior. And so that's what he's did, he did in the life of Mary. But it's also a truth here you can't miss. The angel sees something in Mary that she doesn't see in herself yet. So how's, how does she respond to the declaration of Gabriel? What, is, what does Scripture say? What does this passage say? How does Mary respond? She was greatly troubled, it says. She was greatly troubled because this mighty angel came and he's in awe of, what, of her and he's amazed at what God is doing in her. And he says, hail full of grace, the Lord is with you. And it says she's greatly troubled. And the angel says, don't be afraid. Now, one of the things you see here that's really important for each of us is God is the one who tells us who we are. I am who God says I am. St. Francis said, I am who I am before God, nothing more and nothing less. So his spirit that came to, that proceeded and began his work in Mary, the Holy Spirit, heaven tells Mary who she is. She can't see herself fully, but she receives it, which is beautiful. And then Gabriel goes on to say, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So... You know who you are? You know who God says you are? 
You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're a dwelling of God. God dwells in you. Turn to somebody next to you and declare that truth. I'm a temple of God. God himself dwells in me. And he dwells in you. God tells you you're a dwelling place of God. Do you believe that? Does it trouble you a little bit? Not even a little bit, huh? Don't be afraid to receive the full dignity of who you are. That's what Mary did. So the angel communicates that to her, and he tells her, you're going you're to conceive a son, and you're going to name him Jesus, and he's going to be the king, and his kingdom will never end. He's going to sit on David's throne. And so he tells her the story, and then Mary said, wow, I don't know the man. And so God's, God's truth is being revealed to her, and this is what God does with all of us. He confounds our mind to reveal the heart. He's confounding her. This doesn't add up. How can I possibly be the mother of a child? I've never known a man. Well, how can you possibly be God's child? How can you possibly be Jesus' friend? How can you possibly be a temple of the Holy Spirit? How's that possible? Mary just asks a really honest question. How is it possible? How is it possible that someone that looks like you or like you, literally, you, you are a temple of the living God? Gabriel says, because with God, all things are possible. This isn't just a nice, cuddly story to remember every once a year. This is how God is working to save the human race. Mary responds, Mary receives it. And he says, Gabriel says to her, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's how it's going to happen. Do you know that that's happening in you? You know that the power of the Most High, the Father released the Son and the Spirit to go and engage His mission in the world? It's God's saving mission. And they're coming forward, and God saves us by His power, by the working of the Spirit in us, and the working of His Son for the sake of our salvation. Say, put your hand on your heart and say this. The Spirit of the Lord has overshadowed me. The Spirit of the Lord has come to live in me. Amen. That is so good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Mary, for, for your yes. So she hears it, and she's the first to receive the saving act of the Spirit of God. She's the first one, the new Eve. She's the one who says yes to God's plan. You got to say yes to God's plan. You cannot be a passive receiver. You have to say, yes, I believe. I receive the spirit of God. I believe the identity that you've given me. And I believe by your power, I can walk in that identity and I can fulfill the mission that you've given to me. And so Mary responds and she's teaching you and me, don't miss this. The church brings Advent to us. We walk in it because she wants us to live the story. We're living in the story. And each one of us has to say, be it done unto me according to thy word. That's the next thing she says. 
With God, all things are possible. And then I'm going to, I don't want to jump into next week, but I have to say this. Mary has her encounter with Elizabeth. Elizabeth honors her. You know, John leaps in her womb. John gives testimony to the presence of the Lord and Mary, which is so great. And then Elizabeth says this to her, blessed is she who believed that 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 there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. How many of you have heard the Lord speak to you about your life? How many of you have heard it through the scripture? Have you internalized it? Blessed are you if you believe it. And what is belief? Belief is faith. And faith is what? Faith is to lean on God in such a way that if he wasn't there, you'd fall flat on your face. Faith is what you spell R-I-S-K. It's risking everything on what God said you are and what he's called you to be and how he wants to work through you. And what does Mary do with all of this that she takes in? She magnifies the Lord. It's another key lesson. You, when you get up in the morning, you're discouraged about our politics and our economy, and you're discouraged about our culture, and Antifa freaks you out, and all, whatever else is there that's going on in your life. What you need to do is you need to stand up and say, I know who I am. My soul magnifies the Lord. I will not be afraid of any man or any situation. I'm a temple of the living God. I'm a child of God. My king has conquered it all. He's uniting himself to me in baptism. He's alive in me. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For God who is great has done mighty things for me. Tell the truth. How often do you internalize that and really believe that truth and live in it? And how often do we sort of schlep through the day? We, our faith is really small. If it's there, hardly at all. We're mostly discouraged, distracted, confused, frightened, wonder where God is, all of that. What we're being invited by the church to do in this season of Advent, right now it's a preparation for the coming of the Lord. That's to think about his deep coming into my life, into my heart, into my soul, is to follow the footsteps of Mary, our par- the paradigm. She comes to comfort us. She does. She's a great comforter. But she comes to say, follow me as I follow my son. Follow me. Respond the way I responded. Believe you are who God says you are. Believe that his spirit is in you. Friends, the world is desperately in need of the church to believe, to believe who we are so that we can be the light to the world, not coward, not fearful, not confused, not constantly starting at the beginning over. No, we're stepping into the faith, and I know it's not me. Of course it's not me. It's not my natural strength, but God is at work in his church. He's given us his spirit. His light is meant to shine in us and through us for the sake of the salvation of the world. So he wants you to be bold, and he wants you to be courageous, and he wants you to have big faith. Because you know in your soul 
that with God, all things are possible. And you've settled the issue in you. I'm going to believe all that the Lord has spoken to me. And I'm going to live it with the little time that he's given me in this world. Knowing he will use me. And he will allow his kingdom and his kingship to be revealed in my life. That's what Advent's all about. That's what tonight's about. That's what our coming before him tonight's going to be about. And if you're struggling with this, if you don't believe it, put yourself before him, lay before him tonight and say, I want the heart of Our Lady. I want to follow Our Lady. I want you, Jesus, to do all that you intend for my life. And forgive me for ways that I've hindered that. Increase my faith for your glory. Amen. Amen. We just end with a little prayer. Is that okay? I just say a little prayer. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mother Mary, we, we turn to you tonight for, to just say thank you for your yes. We know you pray for us. We ask you to increase and to help us tonight to see the work of the Spirit in you, to see the work of the Spirit in us, and help us to believe, teach us to believe. Lord Jesus, we pray for an outpouring of your spirit tonight as we draw near to you in the sacrament. Doesn't matter how young we are, how old we are. Holy Spirit, we pray for your power to move in us. Help us to believe and receive what you you call us, what you name us. Help us to say yes to what you're calling us to do and to be and to be not afraid. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Peter. So the intimacy is going to increase. We're going to bring that candle as a symbol of God's anointing in your life and all struggle, sin, everything that's going on in your life, that's a symbol. You're going to bring that candle, and when it's lit, you're going to put it wherever you like around this burning bush. And then the presider is going to bring this gold sun-like structure that we call a monstrance. You see the root word literally means to demonstrate. And for those, again, who aren't Catholic, you have access to Google, you could do the research. For 2,000 years... When unending succession from the earliest saints, the earliest catechism in the first century of the church, we understood and believe literally what Jesus said, this is my body and this is my blood. Unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you have no life within you. They literally, we literally believe this truth. So there's, do the research and see what saints have said about that, but also maybe add in your search, Eucharistic miracle. You're going to see throughout the centuries innumerable miracles, personal miracles of healing, certainly transformation. In fact, battles in the early church that were taking place were one connected to what we call the Eucharist. We see tragedy happen where Jesus was disrespected in the Eucharist. For the first 1,500 years of Christianity, this truth was not even questioned. Nobody questioned Christ's presence in the Eucharist. 
Unfortunately, in this day and age, we've lost a sense of reverence and honor and solemnity, but we are going to have Jesus with us. We believe and in this monstrance to demonstrate he's going to be brought forward and the presider, Deacon Mark, will put Jesus up here. And after an opening prayer, we'll enter into praise. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray to the Lord who gives himself in the Eucharist that this sacrament may bring us salvation and peace. Lord Jesus Christ, you gave us the Eucharist as the memorial of your suffering and death. 
May our worship of this sacrament of your body and blood help us to experience the salvation you won for us and the peace of the kingdom where you live with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever.
Oh Lord Jesus, we receive you. You are so present in this moment right now, God. Five minutes ago doesn't exist. Five years ago doesn't exist. You proclaim this a new moment of anointing right now for each of us, God. You see the broken part of us. You see the struggle within us. You see those things that we've been battling with, Lord. And we release our white knuckles from controlling them right now, Jesus. And we invite you to help us do that. We surrender lesser things for greater here, God. And we desire... We desire your spirit to flood us. We who are temples of your Holy Spirit, we just invite you, God, to anoint and flood and fill us. And we turn it to you in praise. We proclaim this a new moment, a new anointing. We receive you, Jesus. We glorify you. We praise you. You are the way maker. You pave the path. The voice crying in the wilderness makes straight the way of the Lord. Lord, you, you pave that path from this moment into eternity with you. We receive it. You are the way maker. Miracle worker. You're the promise keeper. You're the light in the darkness. That is who you are. Open our eyes to see you, Jesus. We receive you.
Praise Jesus, 
gospel is Mark's account of the baptism of Jesus. John is indeed that person spoken of by the prophets, crying out in the desert, and he's calling Israel to repentance and renewal. You know, the prophets Jeremiah and Hosea both speak of the time when the Jews are in the desert, right during the Exodus and wandering in the desert as a honeymoon period between God and his chosen people. Because they were never so close to God as they were during that time in the desert. God provided everything for them. Manna, quail, water. They were close. Once they crossed the Jordan into the promised land, however, they began to fall away from God. They began to worship False gods. They began to realize, well, maybe we don't need God. We have the promised land. They forgot the person that gave them the promised land. And I think that there is a parallel to our society today. Have we forgotten who has brought us to the promised land? Have we forgotten that God calls us to repentance and renewal? Do we need God anymore? Do we want God? anymore. Some would say our society has turned its back on God. Some would say that we as a people have just said, we don't need you anymore. Or we don't want to do what you want us to do. Or what we're called to do. We want to do what we want to do. And there's the problem. 
Because everything that we have, every gift, every talent, everything that we have comes from Him. And to turn our back on Him who gave it to us is not right. John was trying to get the Jews to realize that only out in the desert could they be closer to God when they gave up everything. John gave up everything. He lived in the desert. He ate wild locusts or wild honey and locusts. He gave up family. He gave up friends so that nothing would stand in the way of his becoming closer to God. What about us? What are we willing to give up to be the messenger of Christ? What are we willing to do to grow closer to God? God is calling us to repentance and renewal just as surely as John the Baptist was calling Israel to repentance and renewal 2,000 years ago. How are we going to answer that call? In a moment, I'm going to bring Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity down here so that you can come forward And you need to answer him for yourself. He is calling you to repentance and renewal. What is your answer going to be? listening to a very special edition of Ignite Radio Live, the Presence for Christmas program. We invite you to continue the journey with us at massimpact.us. God bless you and thank you so much for being along the journey with us. Emmanuel, God is with us.